Hi, and welcome to the Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at the Strad. The Cronus Quartet are no strangers to musical activism, using their creative, collaborative powers to speak out against injustices of the world, shine a light on forgotten voices, and spread the message of peace and hope through their music making. After all, founding violinist David Harrington was inspired to start the quartet after hearing George Crumb's Black Angels back in 1973. Today, David speaks to me about the Cronus' latest project, Me Lai, by Jonathan Berger. I had a conversation with David recently about how the work tells the previously unspoken story of the American soldier who saved the lives of numerous civilians during the 1968 massacre in Vietnam. We also spoke about what musicians can do in the face of devastating world events. Fitting, given that this conversation took place shortly after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. David also spoke about the last 50 years of Cronus in a nutshell, the anniversary of which will be next year in 2023. Here he is. Welcome to the podcast, David. It's wonderful to have you here speaking with me today slash tonight here in London. Um, so we're here to, to talk about your upcoming recording with Kronos Quartet and upcoming performances of Jonathan Berger's work, Me Lai. It's based on the 1968 massacre in Vietnam. So first of all, tell us a little bit about the recording, you know, how did it come about? Well, Me Lai came about because Jonathan had a, a sense that Kronos was formed back in 1973, really as a musical response to the war in Vietnam. And I had heard Black Angels by George Crumb on the radio one night in August of 73 and realized I didn't have a choice. I had to play that piece. And so Jonathan knew the story. And right around that time, in fact, earlier than that, Jonathan was involved in demonstrations, uh, activism against that war. We both had heard the story of Hugh Thompson and what happened at My Lai and the terrible massacre of innocent people and how this young uh, helicopter pilot, Hugh Thompson, basically was able to stop that massacre. You know, I was thinking Years later, when Jonathan mentioned the idea of making a piece, I was thinking, you know, Hugh Thompson was maybe even a little younger than I was when he stopped that massacre. And at that age, I thought I needed to form Kronos. It seemed right for us at that point to make a kind of a circle. So with Black Angels, and then later with, with Me Lai. And Kronos had been working with Van An Vo, the mm-hmm. uh, instrumentalist from Vietnam. So when, when Jonathan asked me about, you know, would Kronos be interested in this? Uh, immediately, yes, no question. We had to do this. this. But I couldn't imagine doing anything about Me Lai without having sounds of Vietnamese instruments playing with us. And Rindy Eckert, 
the vocalist was was always going to be part of this and and so basically we made a team <laughs> and so the team was uh chronos rindy von on jonathan and then a team of our sound engineer lighting people stage design and it became a theater piece and we played it uh, a number of times around the united states and even in singapore it has not been played in vietnam and I, I wonder if it ever will. Um, there's something about this piece that for me, I mean, I guess ever, ever since I heard, heard Black Angels, I've wanted our music to create that kind of vivid musical experience that I got from, from hearing Black Angels. It, it seemed like we had to get involved in this. And the recording uh, was a result of... of uh, oh, 10 or 15 performances that we had done. And we went to the studio and tried to make as vivid a performance as we could. And then Scott Fraser, our sound designer, took at least a year to, to bring this all together and, and mix it. And, and uh, we're very, very pleased. And that it's coming out on Smithsonian Folkways Anything on Smithsonian is will never go out of print. And I, I want the story of, of this massacre and, and basically the heroism of Hugh Thompson and his helicopter crew. I want it to be a permanent part of uh, American history and, and actually world history as well. I, I want people to be able to know about the courage it took to stand up to the American military. It's your way of immortalizing the story, isn't it? And am I right in thinking that Hugh Thompson was, he was vilified basically for his acts and not many people know his story as a result? Yes, that's right. I mean, I knew the story of the massacre. I didn't know the story of Hugh Thompson until Jonathan Berger told it to me. That, that's why it seemed like, oh, we have to bring this into the, the world of Kronos. We have to. So it sort of leads me to what I'd like to ask you about now, because obviously we're speaking during this time of tragic global seismic events. And I know that you're no stranger of making music, speaking out against these issues, against war. I mean, you've already mentioned um, Black Angels and the starting up of Kronos as a result of listening to that piece. But, you know, given what's happening at the moment um, in the world, what would you say is the most important thing about being a musician? What does it mean to be a musician during these times? We're always searching for music that can connect us to each other, members of the quartet, our families, our friends our audience, and we're also hoping to connect the worldwide community of musicians and audience members. I mean, I, I find myself right at this moment very concerned about the future. I mean, when, when you hear that because of the invasion into Ukraine. The radioactive dust from Chernobyl has been stirred up. And, mm. and so the radioactivity of, 
of that region has increased. And there are numerous uh, nuclear plants throughout Ukraine. So what do we do as musicians? Um, we try to find music that reaches us the most intensely mm. as we can. We try to be in, in contact with our friends throughout the world. Uh, I don't know a musician now who is not thinking about this. Everyone I've been in touch with yeah. has mentioned it to me. And so we're all reflecting this horrible situation in the notes we play, the music we hope to play, the music that we want composers to write now. Mm -hmm. And I just came from a rehearsal of uh, probably the most peace-loving person I've ever met, uh, Terry Riley. So we, we are playing one of his masterpieces that, that Kronos uh, commissioned in 1983, and we haven't played it for many years. And I just feel that each one of us in Kronos is, is trying to craft our notes and craft the entire experience. I'm, I'm just sensing that, that everyone is just kind of lifting up. It, it's it's yeah. a powerful moment for music and musicians. And we know that we have responsibilities. I woke up the other day, for example, and remembered a concert we played in a refugee camp outside of Vienna, Austria. I remember what it was like to play for this large room full of people that had lost their homes and that they had lost their countries. <laughs> and it's, it's like, what can be helpful at that point? We played music from Omar Suleiman from Syria and the audience, many of them must have been from Syria or had heard his music on the radio because they started clapping instantly and there was this joy in the room. And then we played this piece of, of Terry's, Terry Riley's, that used a lot of toy instruments. And, and afterwards, the kids just swarmed to the stage and they wanted to try out the instruments. And it, it was so poignant, so beautiful, powerful. So I feel we are in a, a position that we can be helpful. It's a, a sense of responsibility. I think the sense of poignancy really does, as you mentioned, help us craft what we as musicians do. So it, it gives an extra meaning behind performances, behind recordings, so that you know we can aim to have this connection mm. that you mentioned earlier on. You're mentioning dates from 1973-1983, um, which leads me to congratulate in advance of Cronus Quartet's 50th anniversary, which is happening next year. It's a big ask, but how do you feel about the last 50 years? How do you think your, your life is now, having gone down this path, this journey of exploring and creating with the Quartet? We all feel very fortunate in Kronos, that we, we have each other to perform with. We have the range of experiences that we've worked on. We're putting a festival together that's, that will be uh, this April. And 
just today we got three new pieces. <laughs> so it, it, it's a very fertile time right now. When I think about 50 years, uh, it's pretty abstract. It's not nearly long enough. There are so many things to do in life and in music. Clearly, nobody can know even a fraction of the world's music. It's just too huge of a subject. But what we can do is share music that has touched us, has reverberated inside. And we can find those kinds of relationships with composers and other performers that can lead us towards making those kinds of experiences. We've been able to do that occasionally. And, and for that, I'm very grateful. And I hope that as we move into the future, that we will be able to use the experiences that we've had to propel us to find better notes, <laughs> better, better, better everything, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, just be just better. Be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, even even in this time right now, with all these horrible threats being thrown around, the constancy of musicians, the constancy of trying to make a note better than it was the last time, that's a very important thing to keep doing. Mm -hmm. I think. It's an incredibly noble pursuit, isn't it? Just to, to always strive for improvement, strive for betterment and reflect on how you can propel yeah, into the future. I think, I think so too. And, you know, I was looking over at Sonny and Hank and John today and, you know, we were practicing this passage and at least three of us weren't even close to being on the metronome, right? <laughs> but we, we were patiently trying to get there, <laughs> trying to find the center of the beat. And uh, I, I just valued that so much. I've never met a lazy musician. You know, we have a, we have a bad reputation, sort of, you know, oh, musicians are just partiers doing all this. I've never met a lazy musician. There, there is not one. Uh, we work hard, and a as a community, we are uh, lifted up by the power of music, and we hope that we can provide that to other people. That's so true. Yeah, we definitely work hard. That's, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> not a lie. Yeah, I, uh, I like what you said about, you know, in your rehearsal, the sort of the baby steps and how the results may not be obvious straight away, but... You know, we make those small incremental steps towards something greater and bigger in the future. Well, here's to the next 50 years. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with me tonight, today on the podcast. My pleasure. That was David Harrington from the Cronus Quartet. As mentioned earlier, the recording will be released on Smithsonian Folkways Recordings on 20th May, with performances in San Francisco and New York on April the 8th and 23rd, respectively. Right now, you're listening to an excerpt from Milai. Don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news, articles, and reviews on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students. And if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days. Start reading right away with no strings attached. 
And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or rating. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.